0: I'm here again with Gary Platt. Hi, Gary. Hi. Long time since we spoke. I don't know how long. No idea. About a year, probably.
1: Oh, I think it's shorter than that. <laughs> I can't remember.
2: So, yeah.
0: I, I, I do remember I was out... I don't know. I was at my mother's house, actually, um, at the time in England. So uh, that's how I remember it. Perched on the end of the bed. But but I'm back home now. So great to speak to you again. And we're going to continue with the, the transactional analysis series that we sort of started a long time ago and a subject we're both really interested in but Mm. um, but we haven't been particularly prolific with this series it's taken us a long time to get to the third part of it. So do you want to just introduce which bit of transactional analysis that we're going to be talking about today?
1: So what we're going to uh, look at is a concept called drivers um, and this was developed by a guy called Taby Kaler. Uh, back in 1975. Now I might not be pronouncing his name right. It's spelled T A I B I, and the surname is K A H L E R.
0: Taibi Kahler, Ta- I'd say. Taibi.
1: Okay. All right. Well, the idea was that we what we learn to adapt uh, to circumstances and situations as we grow up, uh, and this is you know from zero to seven, eight, nine years old, and what we do is we We begin to recognise about what is approved of and what is disapproved of by our parental figures uh, and the society that we're in. And what we begin to do is act in deference to those messages that we're given and these become drivers to how we behave and what we do. And in many cases, it's a really underutilised area of tta a lot of people talk about transactions and ego states but drivers are not frequently uh, referenced i mean i mean what's your relationship to drivers john when when did you come in contact well,
0: with them? you're right because i hear people talking a lot about ego states you know adult to adult parent child and all that stuff and if anybody listening to this wants to know go yeah. back because as we've done a podcast on that and also the transactions thing i hear about less actually even just transactions about the way that we communicate Mm. and all of that. And again, we've done a previous podcast on that. Drivers, Mm. the the only time I've heard of this outside of talking to you was a meme that went around on Twitter or something like that, which talked about, like, for example, the driver, hurry up. And they kind of related that to the child ego state and then put the, or was that the parent? No, that was the parent ego state. Hurry up, hurry up. Then there's kind of the adult ego state was something like, be realistic and the child ego state was be creative so it was kind of a a way of applying ego states to drivers but i don't know if there's any science behind that or whether that was just some kind of fancy meme
1: i am not aware that that i've not attributed drivers to particular ego states because they can really they can be acquired and they can be expressed in virtually any of right with the exception, perhaps, of adult ego states.
0: I, I guess that was just somebody being smart on Twitter, and it was quite good actually. I'm, I'm not being facetious. Well, I am being facetious, but I shouldn't be, be facetious because it's actually quite clever. But that's it. I mean, that that's my. Right. That's, no, actually, I'm I'm, I'm telling a fib because I have seen ego states in a resilience training course that we do. There is a um, sometimes that we bring out resi- uh, drivers at that point. Right, but it's a pretty specialized answer. Right. I mean, not. It's not that common.
1: In, in some areas, they don't refer to them as drivers. You can work, uh, refer to them as working styles, uh, and obviously, it strongly impacts and affects the way you uh, act and behave and relate to people. And if you can put it into a working context, uh, that can often help people to understand it and see how it helps them reflect on their own behaviour and, and what they do and how they do.
0: Oh, right. I didn't realise that working styles. That's, that's quite a useful w- w- way of describing it, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I believe that Julie Hay came up with that idea first. It's certainly where I was first introduced to that concept, instead of calling them drivers, referring to them as working styles.
0: Oh, okay, Julie Hay, right. Yeah,
1: Julie Hay, it was, well, was and is quite a prolific teacher and trainer in relation to transactional analysis. Uh, she was my trainer for a period of time in, in, in this particular area, and uh, she introduced me to the concept of working styles.
0: I think I've heard of the name. She must have written something, unless it's just a familiar name.
1: Yeah, she's yeah, she's written a lot.
0: Yeah, so working styles might be a way that we've come across drivers in the, and, and I think you're right. It's, it's it's kind of a, probably a more useful way of thinking about it. So drivers working a mm. I mean, you're saying that there are adaptations that we do to, presumably to succeed or at least to thrive or to avoid negative outcomes or something. Is that right? It, it's more to, th-
1: basically, it, these the, the drivers drive or working styles are a, a result of messages, conscious and unconsciously, uh, that we're given that tell us that we will be okay or everything will be all right if we do the following and uh, we are encouraged to behave in particular ways. And eventually we internalise this as children and it becomes a strong influence on the way we behave.
0: And this guy, Ta- Ta- I've forgotten his name, Tayibi Kaila? Is that right? Yeah. So who was he then? He, he, yeah. Presumably he was some kind of top researcher.
1: He was a, uh, basically a, a researcher who worked in, in transactional analysis. Uh, therapist and uh, psychologist Right,
0: oh, okay, so he was a therapist using TA in therapy Right, yeah. so in order to kind of dig a little bit deeper into these drivers, what's, should we go through what they are, is that the best next step? Cause that...
1: Well, in, in total uh, Kayla identified five
0: Is that all? Gosh
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, five uh, these five drivers that uh, uh, we can inherit and uh, each one the name that he gave them is is, to a greater extent is really quite self-explanatory. The first one is called please people or please others. And what the individual does is they seek to make sure that other people are okay, that their needs are being met, that their requirements uh, are being addressed. And their focus is on making sure that in a group or in a family setting or in a team sitting setting, they are looking at other people and making sure that they are okay.
0: Right, okay. I mean, we can all probably recognize people that seem to be driven by that. Actually, yes. just, just, it just occurred to me at that point. Are, are, do drivers come out under certain circumstances, such as stress or something like that, or are they always present? No,
1: they're, they're really, to a, to a greater extent, continuous right okay they might they might be exaggerated in stressful situations but that's uh, you know that's not principle to them
0: okay so please people definitely seen that knocking around yeah
1: and particular elements of a, a please people driver there's it, it does equip them it does equip people or help them to develop particular skills so in a team setting they're often very good at interacting uh, with other people and recognising if somebody is uh, unhappy. Um, about in Belbin's team roles, the, there is a direct team worker role. And, and in some instances, you can definitely see that they've got this these people driver that's behind that. They're often good at noticing body language and being able to interpret that. Uh, and so they've got that sort of high level of uh, sensitivity.
0: All oh, right. So it links directly back to what skills they're likely to develop.
1: Yeah, because they that that's makes what sense. Yeah, to. yeah,
0: they'll be doing it more often, yeah. won't they? And, and yeah, you, yeah. you made a really interesting point there about linking back to Belbin. Do do they link back to other things like MBTI or SDI? Are people pleasers more likely to be F in MBTI or more likely to be Blue in SDI or something?
1: I don't. As I don't really give MBTI very much credence, I've never bothered to explore that.
0: Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that was a different podcast we talked about, didn't we?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. We'll save, we'll save that one another, to another time. Um, okay, sorry. So that was people-pleasing or people-pleasing or-pleasing Yeah, just, or just one other
1: side. Yeah, I mean, there's those positive elements that please people. There's also uh, some challenges that that brings with it. They will... For instance, avoid, uh, try to avoid conflict. They will hesitate to make decisions that might benefit one person and um, disadvantage another. And uh, wherever there, there might be conflict in this situation, they may not be very comfortable in dealing or reacting to that.
0: Right. Again, that, that makes sense, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. yeah. So that, that's, that's called please people. The next one is called, uh, and this is no order of priority or anything, this is just how they come. Next one is called Be Perfect. And what happens with, uh, what's happened to these people is that the message they've been given that basically if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing properly. And they will do everything and try to make sure it's absolutely correct. There'll be high levels of precision in their approach. They will they will look to make sure that the all the details are present and they'll often be meticulous in their planning and try to be perfect in the execution of
0: tasks. Right. Again, I'm, I'm recognising people and thinking of things. I'm also noticing aspects of myself. I mean, I don't think this is a key driver for me, um, nor please people. I don't think they're key drivers, but there's certainly part of me that would recognise some of mm. us. And
1: well, yeah, I mean it's interesting you you know you have your own drivers, but you also, as you say, you can recognize these drivers in other people and I, I have to say be perfect is is one of my lowest drivers. uh in my opinion, there's lots of jobs out there that are worth doing in a fairly half arsed fashion. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I just you know there are certain things where I think, well, what's the point? you know why bother? Yeah, so that, I that must that. be incredibly irritating for people who have got the be-perfect driver, but I also have to say, to some degree, I find the actions of a be-perfect driver to be slightly irritating to me.
0: <laughs> so so it's interesting, because this, this is where it would lead to some sort of conflict or misunderstanding as well. Yes. I mean, I think you're yeah. obviously right to say there are some jobs you might as well just dash off half-assed, but... Um, that's that's a logical response and i'm guessing that these drivers are subconscious somehow yes we're not logically yeah. deciding it we're, it's just our if we do this that will that it, things will be okay to use your language yes
1: yeah yes yeah yeah yes
0: and, and i guess similarly there's some people that aren't worth pleasing <laughs> i know a few of those as well
1: uh yeah although t- yeah i think you're absolutely right although what one of the main Uh, tenants of TA is to try and operate from an I'm okay or okay position so although you may not seek to please you may want to treat with fairness if you like right okay now the benefits obviously of a be perfect driver is that they're often accurate uh, and and very reliable in terms of how they do uh, do the work that they've done Uh, if you want something checked and made sure it's going to be right first time these are the people who are going to do it. They're also going to have plans and contingency plans, and they'll be very focused on making sure that they get the job
0: done properly. Right. So I guess these are people that are kind of energized by that idea of being having to, as you say, make sure the details are right. The kind of thing that would, for some of us, would feel feel like a, a dreadful punishment for some of us. <laughs>
1: yeah. And you know, if you're working in an environment where quality is a deep requirement. Like, for instance, a pharmaceutical uh, environment where there has to be high levels of precision, meticulous attention to detail, close following of operating procedures. You know that particular driver may have be a, a very high benefit to you.
0: Yeah, so there's, a, there's an obvious place for somebody who is driven for perfection and detail because there's a time when the, when you just can't compromise on quality. As you mentioned, pharmaceuticals, you know, um aircraft engineer, I guess, you want them to have a yeah. attention to detail. You don't can't have about two wings on a plane.
1: Yeah, I'd like my surgeon to have a be perfect driver.
0: Yes. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. Good point.
1: <laughs> now now the downside of a be perfect driver is that they you can't rely on them to work to deadlines because they will keep redoing it and redoing it and redoing it. And indeed, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching somebody who clearly had a be perfect uh, working style parking the car in the car park. <laughs> and, and effectively what they did is they they drove into the, you know, into the parking bay, reversed back out, went back in, clearly weren't happy uh, with the angle, came out again and then went back in. And then as they got out of the car I went round the back, they checked that there was an even space between either white line. You know, now, if you're waiting for somebody like that, you know, they're not quick workers, if you like. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'll be constantly looking at minor details. And, and, and the, the truth of the matter is that sometimes we have to just make something fit for purpose and the danger is that best becomes the enemy of good or adequate uh, and that can be uh, and that can be quite problematic and it can also be quite demotivating for people who work with or work for this person
0: yeah that's i mean i i sometimes get that feedback that i'm trying to make things too perfect so maybe i've got more of this than i realize yeah I also I also fuss about parking, like nobody's business as well sometimes, so I like to park properly. Right.
1: I mean, the other thing is that sometimes they have problems delegating work because of their opinion, their view is that if a job's worth doing, it's only them who's worth doing it. Now, I have to say, this, this is all when it's excessive, of course. This is not, you know, people do not necessarily take it to this extreme, but that's what
0: can happen. Right. So you can kind of overdo it. Yeah. Yeah, well, again, I can certainly recognise people like that. And as I said, I'm recognising aspects of myself. Yes, yeah, yeah. Especially when it comes to the now,
1: now, the next one is try hard. And uh, this is where somebody does everything with a 110% commitment. They're, they're, they'll go at things very enthusiastically. They'll have lots of energy uh, and they'll want to get things done and it will be uh, you know uh, nothing will be uh, underdone nothing will be done at half measures they'll do it with complete commitment and gusto.
0: So the 110% uh, the try harder again <laughs> and obviously recognizing people again like that so I mean, it's fairly easy to see some of the positives of that do you want to just you know in a workplace environment how might that look? What, what would those positives look like?
1: Well, well first of all, the, they will be uh, very enthusiastic. That enthusiasm is very engaging and, and people can be, tra- can be drawn uh, to that sort of try-hard enthusiasm. You know, they'll take on new tasks with a lot of uh, commitment. They, they enjoy problem solving because they want to resolve it and get through to it. And you know they'll be at the front of a queue to volunteer to do something new or, or to do something different.
0: Sounds sounds a bit exhausting as well, though.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I again, I do not have this, <laughs> <laughs> and I do I do know people who have got this. And when, when it becomes extreme, when it becomes problematic. They can run themselves into the ground because they are trying to do everything. Sometimes they'll start off. They start well, but finish poorly. They start with lots of enthusiasm and commitment, but it can drain off. And often they'll focus on bits of jobs that are interesting, but not the stuff that's tedious and boring. They can be pedantic and difficult uh, to deal with because of this focus on making sure we do everything with commitment and gusto and enthusiasm so uh, sometimes they'll have too many questions and frankly there's, there's there's no neutral with these people there's there's no low energy or low key uh when it's extreme they're very much in your face a lot
0: that that does sound quite wearing to be honest i can see how they yeah. you might they might be useful at the beginning of projects when things are new and that energy thing as you said but then they if, if there were interest wonders that's when you need to bring in the Be Perfect guys, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the other thing to say about this is I, I, I don't want to paint the negative. None of these drivers are necessarily negative. I've been around people who have got this, you know, try-hard driver. And it's great because they, they are genuinely enthusiastic. They're positive uh, and, and they create a nice atmosphere to work in.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, that's a really important point because we're, we're kind of painting out the extremes a little bit here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's part of being an adult is we learn to learn how to control these things and don't let them become too extreme too overdone.
1: Yes. Yes, that's right, yeah.
0: Okay. So yeah, we we were kind of like getting a, shown a bit of favoritism by slagging that one off a bit. <laughs> but it's good. They're all good and they're all bad. Depends on how you use them. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm just going to cut in here cuz we're just going to take a short break. I'm here with Jennifer Kang from Opal Group. Hi, Jennifer. How are you?
2: Hi, John. How are you? I'm good.
0: Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Yeah, I'm fine. And we were going to talk about your L&D Executive Summit. Yes. So tell me, what is that? What is it? An Executive Summit for L&D people, I guess. But give us more detail.
2: So um, Opal Group is a global conference organizer, and we produce um, several different events, for a variety of different divisions, including HR. And so our upcoming Learning and Development Executive Summit, which is on February 3rd to February 5th, 2019, in uh, Orlando, Florida, at the Four Seasons Resort Orlando at Walt Disney World. This is where, this is an exclusive invitation-only event for corporate learning and talent development leaders from billion-dollar-plus organizations.
0: So who have you got speaking at it?
2: We have a lot of outstanding speakers from Starbucks, Disney Institute, MetLife, Wells Fargo, Amway, Johnson & Johnson, JCPenney, Campbell's Soup, and more.
0: And what kind of topics? Give us an idea about what they'll be talking about.
2: Transforming organizational culture, developing future leaders internally, uh, building a a global workforce, um, designing for the modern learner, and leveraging emerging technologies. So this is an event for heads of corporate learning from enterprise organizations. So chief learning and development officers, uh, VP, uh, senior executives in talent management.
0: So, and so people working in the L and D in, in kind of senior decision making positions. Yes. In any in any organization, you said billion dollar organizations. Do you, I mean, is that yes, yes? Is, is, blimey! So, is it, when you say billion dollar, is that just the people who get invited, or is that the people who speak?
2: Um, both speakers and attendees.
0: Okay, so it's for people in decision-making, fairly senior L and D positions. Orlando, yes. Florida, in February, Disney World. Yes, Four Seasons Hotel. Okay, that all sounds pretty good. So, what do what do people do if they want to find out more?
2: Um, so they can definitely visit our website at opalgroup.net. O P A L group.net, and all of our events are listed on the site. And if you click on the HR division, um, you will see our event, Learning and Development Executive Summit. And this is where you will learn a lot about our speakers and our attendees and our sponsors and um, all of the topics that will be presented at the event.
0: Okay, thanks very much, Jennifer.
2: No problem. Thank you.
0: Okay, we're going back to Gary.
1: Now, the fourth one is called Be Strong. And as the name implies, with a B strong, in times of stress, in times where there's an emergency or there's something going on, these individuals will pull through. They are very extremely focused. They'll be, they'll be resilient. They will deal with stressful situations in this kind of uh, implacable, rigid, stoic way.
0: I think this is getting a bit more like me now. Is it? Yeah, I think so.
1: Well, the benefits of a Be Strong is that they'll often and frequently be very good in an emergency. They'll be very calm. They'll focus on how to solve a problem or resolve a conflict. They're just good people to have in a crisis. Uh, They'll be the ones who are being cool and level-headed while other people are losing it and becoming emotional. And, you know, if there's a difficult choice to be made, they will make it, even though it may cause problems for others. You know, they they can be firm, but they can also be fair.
0: You say, I'm liking this person. I'm liking this one.
1: Okay, right. Well, (laughs) the downside is that they are are very reluctant to admit any, uh, they've got problems or issues. They will not necessarily ask for help when that would be the best thing to do they'll see failure as a kind of personal issue and uh, they will hide away their problems and secretly might to some degree be going to bits inside but they're trying to present this hard resilient external fear often very difficult to build a relationship up because they, uh, they they sort of remain internalized in terms of their emotions they don't give too much away, and they can appear slightly, in certain cases, withdrawn and introverted.
0: All right, so they've they've got a negative side as well. Okay,
1: they've all got positives and negatives.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was liking that one the best, but it so went off them a bit then. Okay, but I think I've got I think I've got a fair bit of that. Right, especially when you said they're cool. Do You
1: recognize any of this from your parental figures? You well,
0: any- I, I I recognize one of the ones that's coming up which I know you've got right. as well, because I remember you telling me yeah, yeah. a story about it. So I, I've definitely recognized one of those from my parental figures. And I think, I don't think be perfect or please others was a big thing in my house. But I do think right. it, was, it was try hard, was kind of said, but I don't think it was particularly demonstrated. Mm. But I think be strong. I mean, I'm from Northern England, from Yorkshire, grew up yeah. in the sort of 70s and 80s where, you know, having yeah. emotions was just not the done thing. You just, we just didn't have emotions. We had no need for them.
1: Yeah, there was, there, was, there was some evidence that our generation, there was some gender bias amongst these drivers. And Be Strong was given to little boys and Please People was given to little girls. I don't believe that is true now, but that was certainly the case for our generation.
0: Oh, really? God, that's interesting. I hadn't considered the gender angle at all. Wow. But you
1: can see it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It makes perfect sense. I just it never occurred to me. That's fascinating, but I can definitely see those ones and I can definitely see um, one of the ones that's coming up from my parents, the one that I share with you.
1: Yeah, the last one is hurry up and this is the one that uh, I've got in spades. Uh, The hurry up (laughs) driver is basically, if you're going to do anything, uh, don't mess about get on with it, do it quickly. You you do everything, uh, you don't hesitate, you, you jump in, you get the job done, you process through work, uh, with a high rate of knots there's there's a speed to what you know you do everything with a certain amount of speed and commitment
0: right yeah I mean this this is the one that I recognize most from my family that sort of start faffing about get on with it exactly although, although I also think that there's, there must have been a fair doubt of the be perfect which are, obviously there's a contradiction there.
1: Well, what happens is that some of these drivers, you get, you'll get you get more than one, and some combinations can be quite stressful because you can't hurry up and be perfect.
0: No, exactly, exactly. So I think I had a fair a bit of be perfect, a fair bit of hurry up and quite a lot of be strong. I think they're my top yeah. three strong first. I think. Now,
1: the, the, the benefits to a hurry-up driver is that they'll get a lot done in a short time. They'll respond well to a deadline. If they say something we're ready at five o'clock on Friday, we'll be ready at five o'clock on Friday. And they are driven by deadlines and they develop speed uh, with uh, pressure. Uh, those are the two things that kind of can join together. And again, they'll often do a lot of preparation so that when it comes to do it, they can do it quickly. And they'll juggle different items in order to get a job done. Now, that's, that's the upside to a hurry-up driver. The downside is that you can't do things fast and necessarily do them accurately. Yeah. So they often make mistakes and uh, they're not going to be bothered looking for errors because they'll just see the thing as being more time. And it's about getting the job done, and, you know, and the fact that there's a few typos and a few errors. Also, what so long as the gist uh, of what you're trying to get across is done, so quality of work can be poor. Uh, can be poor. They can be impatient with people if you think people are dawdling or uh, spending too much time on something. Their irritation will show through quickly, and they're often. They can be. They can also. I, I think to certain degree be stressed because. You know, they're always trying to work against a deadline.
0: When when you were explaining that as well, something occurred to me that I seem to have different drivers at work than I do at personal life. Is that possible?
1: I've not heard that, no.
0: Right, okay. <laughs> I'm not saying it's true,
1: but I've not encountered.
0: When you were describing then the hurry up, I kind of think, well, that's kind of me at home. But at work, I tend to more towards the perfect than the, I don't know if that's cultural or what. Right. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. I to do some research here. So that's the hurry-up driver, and you were saying that's one that you, you've got in spades.
1: Yeah, and I've got that from my mother because my mother's got this hurry-up driver and it's just been basically handed down to me. Right. And, and, the, you know, and the way this happens is that uh, as a child I will have told to stop messing about, stop dawdling, hurry up, quickly, stop doing that, we've got to get there now. And all this builds up. And I hear it, and I internalize it, and now it becomes a driver with how I behave
0: so it it it's you said you hear it, you can actually almost hear hear it being said to you, yeah, yeah, almost in your mother's voice.
1: No, not certainly in a mother's voice, but the, the, this, the, there's just been this general input, uh, and I think my my mother in this particular instance played a big part in doing that
0: so i mean you've you've talked through the sort of the negatives and the positives of of all of them, all five of them now. And I'm yeah. sure people listening to this will have recognized bits and pieces for the, from, from themselves as well. What, yeah, yeah. What, um, is, is there something that we can do to actually find out, like a questionnaire or something like that, that we, that's fairly reliable?
1: There's, there's one that was developed by a guy called Dr. Michael Reddy. And I'll, I'll send that through to you, John, so you can make it available. Right. It comes with a caveat, and I'm, I'll supply it to you in PDF format. And what Michael already has said is that you can use it, but you may not change it or alter it in any way. Okay. So the questionnaire is, you know, you can fill this in and it will give you a score against each of these drivers as to where you are. But I think, to be frank, the the more effective method is to just read and learn about what these drivers are and then see if you can recognize these behaviors in what you do and what your approach to work and life is about. Rather than just relying on a questionnaire.
0: Yeah, I mean, from your descriptions, it seemed like you could you could recognize. I mean, as I said a few times, I could recognize bits of myself and also recognize other people. Yeah. So I'm sure, as you say, going through it in a bit of detail, you could do that. Yeah. yeah. So what can we do with them once we we've got awareness of these drivers or working styles? How can we use those in our business, our L and D business?
1: It boils down to knowledge being power, and if you are aware of what your own drivers are you can start to make some kind of judgement or assessment about is is this you know is it too excessive or am i doing this too much and is it impacting on the work that i do and what i deliver and and without doubt there are times and occasions where i am I, you know uh, there was an incident today for instance where i got an email and i very quickly uh, written something off and I was about to press send and thinking, hold on, hold on, hold on, slow down, just stop, think, you know, stop the hurry up driver and just give you a bit of yourself a bit of time to review it. Now, that, that is a very constructive thing to do and it, it just uh, checks whether the driver, which may well be positive, is it always uh, leading you in the right direction?
0: So you, that, you're using that as self-awareness? Yeah, You had the self-awareness to know that you're susceptible to, to rushing?
1: Massively. Yeah, massively.
0: So you checked yourself and just checked whether that was the right thing to do or not?
1: Yeah. Now, some people might legitimately argue, well, you could do that without knowing what drivers are. Absolutely, you could do that. It's just that the understanding what your drivers are, I think, just makes you more consciously aware of it. And so consequently, you're more likely to consciously act on it.
0: Yeah, sure. It's just explaining some things that and once they're explained to you, they're easy to spot, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and the other thing is, you know, as I say, knowledge is power. Drivers have a massive influence on the way you manage your time. And in fact, on the time management programs that I run, one of the things we do is to complete the driver's questionnaire.
0: Ah, OK. That's an interesting application.
1: Because it strongly influences the way you manage and organize your time. Uh, and so consequently, that gets at the core of why some people have problems with managing time. So if they've got a Be Perfect driver, they're probably spending way too much time making sure something's perfect when it doesn't need to be. Uh, uh, if you've got to Be Strong, uh, are, are they delegating enough? Are they asking for help? Um, if they've got a hurry up, are they doing trying to do too much and multitask, which is a myth in itself, when really what they should be doing is concentrating on one task at a time and spending more time on it. Now, they're just examples, but you can see there's a whole plethora uh, of issues and questions that drivers raise about the way you manage time.
0: I, I recognise some of that in myself again. And, you know, as I was saying about some of the feedback I get is don't let, what, what was it you said, don't let good be the enemy of the perfect or something? No, look,
1: don't let don't let best become the enemy of good.
0: Yeah, that was it, yeah. And I sometimes retort, you know, don't let quick be the enemy of the good. Like, why can't we just be good? But that's kind of, I'm motivated by trying to do things well and quality much more than I'm motivated by speed. And I can see the downsides of that. And I can obviously yeah, yeah. see the positives as well. And it does change how I manage my time. It's absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's a really, it's an interesting connection.
1: It, it also, I think you, your drivers are interested in teams in terms of recognising what are the drivers present in the people I work with, and how is that influencing the way I interact with them? Because when a be perfect meets a hurry up driver, uh, there can be issues and potential friction between those pe- those two people. Or a please people meets a be strong. You know, all those are a bit problematic, or can be uh, if they don't know how to work together effectively.
0: I mentioned earlier that I kind of felt that I had maybe two or three of them felt quite a lot stronger than the other two or three. Is that possible? Or is everyone just driven by one of these?
1: No, some people are driven by one. Some people are driven by more than one. What's equally interesting is where you've got a very low score or a low driver. So, for instance, if you had Hurry Up and Be Perfect as we've said previously, uh, that's quite a stressful situation to be in because you can't do things accurately and quickly. Normally, those two things are not sympathetic. And similarly, if you have B, if you have be, uh, you know, if you have, uh, be strong as uh, one of the drivers and try hard, you're putting yourself again under quite a lot of stress in, in, in those. Circumstances because you're kind of bottling things up and trying to get the job done properly but equally uh what's interesting to look at are the drivers that you do not have and i'm very much aware of not having a be perfect driver and that is sometimes to my detriment because i will do things and they will not be as good as they could be and that can be problematic and that you know can present things in an inappropriate or, or poor way similarly as a trainer Uh, I have quite a low score on please people, you know, (laughs) and, um, you know, that, that can be, and it doesn't mean that I can't do that. It just means I have now got to consciously think about doing that because it's just not something I naturally do. Whereas I've got colleagues that I work with where they've clearly got a please people driver and they've got very quick and good empathetic skills and they can build up rapport with people really extraordinarily quickly. And I envy
0: that. No, absolutely. I suppose we always look at what we can't do, and uh, yeah, with a certain amount of envy, probably undervalue what we can do.
1: Yes, probably.
0: And I guess this could also be useful when, if if we're doing things like coaching or we're looking at trying to have mindset shifts. <laughs> I sure we struggle to say that mindset shifts in in learning and development situations. I guess it's quite useful if you can see somebody's being held back by a driver or if they're overdoing a driver or something like that, you might, that might be helpful information for them?
1: That, that is definitely my experience. That sometimes when you, you introduce and explain this to people, uh, they recognise it immediately and it's something of a revelation to them and they begin to recognise why they may have difficulties or problems in particular areas and why they may be particularly effective and, and constructive in others. Uh, and I think, as I say, knowledge, that knowledge is power.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was when you said about, um, was it be strong that don't delegate, that could be really holding somebody back from their leadership development. And it could also be quite demotivating yes. for the people that they work with because they don't feel trusted. And yeah, they, yeah. You know, they're never getting any interesting work to do. So it's quite. It's, it, it can be quite a useful thing to feed in in that situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you've got a be perfect driver, that may explain why you're missing deadlines, why your projects never come on on time, because you're spending way too much time on stuff that practice. Perhaps will not have that bigger impact on the final result
0: or outcome, and that's quite useful information to to feed back to somebody so that they can gain that self awareness. Well, as you say, knowledge is power. Yeah, I'm go- I'm I'm going to uh, dig out that fancy meme that I told you about that I'd seen on Twitter or something. I'm going to send you it and see what you think of it. Maybe I'll share it on okay. the website as well. So I thought I thought it was quite a clever way of thinking about dealing with um, dealing with these drivers. And as I said, it, it, it attributed the driver itself to the parent ego. So hurry up was your parent side of your ego telling you to hurry up. And they were saying, well, if you if you take that positive intent into adult state, then it becomes be realistic. If you take it into child state, it becomes be creative. I think that's what it is. I'm saying that from memory. And I I did quite like right, that. Yeah, I did. I, I did think that was quite a. A neat way of mapping oh, it all together. Uh, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm not, I'm not dismissing it. I'm just, I'm just not familiar with uh,
0: that idea. As I say I don't know how much research has gone into it or whatever, but it's still quite, it's quite neat anyway. It's an endlessly fascinating subject, transactional analysis. So thank you very much for yet another episode on that. That's my pleasure.